0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host, Virgil Variks. Today is November 10th, and uh, welcome to the show. All right. Let's get some things out of the way first before we get into the uh, topic for today. Um, like I said, still catching up with those show notes. Been really busy at work. I uh, hate to keep saying this, but they're almost done, and we're working pretty hard to get those updated and all ready for you. Okay. So today I would like to talk to you guys about um, Stoicism and what does it mean to be a Stoic. Now, um, that term has had many different uh, connotations over history and throughout different periods. And uh, many people take it to mean many different things. So I kind of want to today go over the ideas of Stoicism, the philosophy of Stoicism, go over why I think it matters today, you know, three or four thousand years after it came into the picture and uh, why I think it's probably a a good and necessary alternative to some of the craziness we're seeing today in the world. Okay, So, I mean, some of the questions that I want to kind of answer from a stoic perspective and granted, I'm not 100 percent stoic. uh, I don't follow stoicism 100 percent, but I do uh, have a lot of elements in my thought and in, in my actions that, you know, derive from stoicism. But uh, today, some some of the questions I want to a- answer today from the Stoic perspective is, you know, uh, what is it, what is it in my power to do? You know, what does it mean to be mindful? How should I deal with emotions? How should I relate to others? How should people pre- prepare for adversity? Um, what's my place in the universe? You know, what's the meaning of life? And these are you know essential questions that everybody's asked themselves and throughout history and. Um, all types of philosophers, all types of people from all walks of life, have wondered, you know, these questions and many other questions. But these seem to be um, some of the big questions that a lot of uh, people throughout philosophy and in the world have kind of tried to do. So, you know, to, to, to briefly discuss the the early Stoics and the history of the Stoics. So, some of the uh, main people originally were uh, Zeno of Citium and uh, Seriphus of uh, Soli. And both of those people were in ancient Greece uh, around the time of Socrates. Actually, Zeno was a student of Socrates, and the name Stoic came from the term "stoa," which is uh, pretty much a stoa is. I'm trying to think uh, a classical you know uh, roofed area. It's like a great hall in Athens where you know ancient Greek philosopher Zeno pretty much gave uh, the majority of his lectures, uh, founding the Stoic school. So that's kind of where they got their name from and, you know, that's – those are some of the earlier Stoics. Some of the middle Stoics uh, include uh, Panaetius and Pocinidius. Um, both those people were in Athens at the time and created uh, embassies in Rome and there, there was – the thing about Stoics and throughout history is that they've been people – all walks of life from people who were destitute, poor, even slaves uh, all the way up to the Roman emperor. Um, so in terms of Stoicism uh, being a, a universal philosophy in the sense that it's for everybody, for all types of people, is something that they try to talk about and to expose. Um, so some of the later Stoics, uh, Seneca the Younger, Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius. Uh, most people know Marcus Aurelius. He was the king uh, or the king, the emperor of Rome, one of the last – actually the last good emperor of Rome. Um, most of you would probably recognize the name either from the book The Meditations, which is uh, a stoic document or um, from the movie Gladiator, uh, the beginning of the movie, the emperor, the old man writing the book. That's actually Marcus Aurelius writing The, uh, the Meditations. Epictetus was originally a slave and then uh, ended up finding founding a school and uh, his, his work is – he had a book called The Handbook and it's probably one of the more uh, – you know, found it one of the more important founding documents of uh, Stoicism, and ironically, was even used a thousand years later by Christian monks uh, to who actually found a lot of wisdom and a lot of you know uh, information there that they found relevant towards their situation and what they were trying to do. And uh, the other person I mentioned was Seneca the Younger, and he was uh, a politician and a lawman in Rome, um, and also he was the uh, close to Nero. And actually, Nero's tutor, if I if I remember correctly, well, everybody knows Nero, and uh, ultimately Seneca was told to uh, was put to death by Nero, or forced uh, forced suicide by Nero. Actually, so as you can see, many of these people were either high officials, were uh, uh, the, the leader of the, the Roman Empire, or you know people who were just destitute. So. You know stoicism you know the Stoics themselves were influenced by Socrates and the cynics who were like a minimalist philosophy, not you know the cynicism we know today um, but you know Stoicism's main rivals throughout time were the Platonists, you know uh, the Peripenians, which were basically this Aristotle school uh, that he founded, the Epicureans, you know the skeptics, and Christianity ultimately um, Stoics' influences. They they've been varied throughout the centuries, but you know, just to name a few important people, um, a lot of the early church figures, uh, in terms of Christianity, so we're talking about like Paul, Augustine, um, Boethus, Aquinas, uh, you look at the Renaissance humanism and a lot of the stuff that was brought into that fold, um, that was heavily in there. Um it, it actually influenced the American uh founding fathers uh george uh excuse me, not george jefferson, george washington um uh thomas jefferson actually had uh seneca's book on the shortness of life on his uh nightstand uh, the day he died so uh, their their work the stoics work has influenced you know things from in in all parts of the world and you know including people like erasmus uh, montaigne francis bacon descartes uh, Giordano Bruno, Thomas More, Montesquieu, uh, Spinoza, the existentialists, and uh, a lot of uh, you know modern Protestant uh, theology. Um, so, but today, stoicism most common contemporary um, could be seen as secular humanism and Buddhism. That's probably the closest today we can look at and say these are the closest things that we can find towards stoicism. Um. You know, and something that I think is really important is uh, in Stoicism is the uh, three topi, which are physics, which basically is how the world works, logic, how to reason well. And both those things feed into ethics, how to live well. And, you know, for Stoic physics, you know, the universe started with a primordial fire, you know, and, and some people could uh, could translate that to the Big Bang. And the world is made out of matter and uh, causation is universal and the cosmos is organized rationally. I mean these were things that the Stoics had uh, thousands of years ago that ironically um, like the world is made of matter and the universe is made of matter and the universe started with some big you know, bang or some big fire. I mean these things were uh, unknown to the people back then. They had no ways, no instrumentation, no uh, tools to calculate any of this stuff but they did come up with these things purely through rationalization. So it's amazing just to see how much of their you know understanding of physics in the world itself is you know kind of continuation. Their their understanding is kind of a continuation with us now, and how we've kind of taken some of the things from there and kind of you know brought it to the forefront. Um, Stoic logic it's you know introduced um, as propositional logic, you know, distinct from Aristotle's, you know, similar to modern logic, you know, meaning that knowledge can be attained through reason. In principle, capable of separating truth from false. Um, so knowledge can also be achieved by peer expertise and collective judgment though. Well, excuse me, only can be achieved by pure expertise and collective judgment. Um, but for Stoic ethics, it's, it's really all about virtue. And here's a, here's a quote by Epictetus uh, from his discourses. Um, he says, ask me what a good man uh, – what, what a real good in man's case is. And I can only say that is the right kind of moral character. So the the Stoics focused on four virtues, uh, practical wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. Um, And I can go into those in a little bit, but I kind of want to give you a visual representation of how the Stoics viewed um, their philosophy. So think of a garden, right? So think of a garden with uh, many beautiful things in there. There's – on the outside though, there's the fence, right? And that fence for the Stoics is the logic. And, you know, the ground itself, the soil is the physics, right? And the fruits that are uh, being grown in that garden are the ethics. And that's kind of the way uh, the Stoics viewed their philosophy. But also I think it's a really good visual representation for us to kind of view it. The idea that the logic is, you know, the barrier and then the earth itself is the physics. And then the, you know, the fruits are basically the ethics. Um, So – to take things from theory to practice, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of the time today, I'm going to be mentioning and quoting actually uh, quoting Stoics. Um, so for Epictetus, an in Encradian, he uh, had a quote saying that some things are up to us, other things are not up to us. Up to us are opinions, aim, desire, aversion, and in one world, whatever affairs are our own. Not up to us are body, property, reputation, office, and in one uh, one word, whatever are not properly our own affairs. So. Basically in there is a fundamental and really important stoic principle that I think a lot of people um, misunderstand. So this is pretty much the beginnings of understanding the stoic decision-making and online there's actual great thing called the stoic decision-making algorithm. So it goes like this. Um, You have a problem. Well, is it under my control? If the answer is yes, then from there you would go to – does it concern virtue? And if it's yes, you would say then use it, use it to practice wisdom, justice, temperance, courage, all these things. If it's not, you know, is, is it indifferent? Is it preferred indifference or is it uh, dispreferred indifference? And I'll get to that in a second. Um, but pretty much it's, it's understanding the difference between things that are in your control and things that are not in your control, making that distinction, realizing whether or not it has an actual effect on the way you live your life. And if it does, making the necessary adjustments in your life under – you know, within your control to remove negative emotions from yourself. Um, But, you know, uh, another thing Epictetus talked about, you know, this was his promise, is uh, if you take for your own – only that which is your own and view that what belongs to others just as it really is, then no one will ever compel you. No one will restrict you. You will find fault with no one. You will accuse no one. You will do nothing against your will. No one will hurt you. You will not have an enemy, nor you'll suffer any harm. So, um, I think a good way to, to you know to uh, visualize that is you know the metaphor of you know an archer and having true aim and trying to find you know the mark on the bullseye and trying to hit it and continuously working hard and and trying that's that's what life is right and you know trying to aim straight and hit the end goal. Is what we're trying to do in life, and so the Stoics really have a lot of interesting things to say about that. But you know, the majority of life, the rest of life, you know, what really matters, I think, that's moral virtue. And you know, I mentioned preferred indifferences, which are those things that help us living according to nature, and dispreferred indifferences are those things that hinder our living according to nature. Um, So you say according to nature what does that mean live according to nature this is a very common thing within the stoic writings you'll hear it and i think by live according to nature um we seem to be instructing to reach for things that are uh i think things that are by nature are, have been designed for you know for human desire human desire has uh had these things you know in the zeitgeist because that's part of nature, and those things include health, safety, community, um, uh, being able to bond with one another, being able to understand one another. So, I think those things are. Th- I mean, that's what the Stoics mean by living according to nature, is by having all these things. And dispreferred indifferences are those things that hinder you from being able to achieve any of these uh, things. So, hinder you from, you know, being able to have health, uh, safety, community. All these things, so um, another thing that we have to understand and kind of take into uh, you know into effect here is the idea that the Stoics have about you know the disciplines um, so there's three disciplines basically, which is desire, um, action, and assent. so for desire, which basically is you know stoic acceptance, you know it's derived from physics, you know the virtues there are courage and temperance. And basically uh, the, the short thing I can say about that is endure and renounce. And uh, some, of the, you know, some of the things are up to us and other things are not up to us. And, and that's the whole idea of Stoic acceptance is um, that fundamental belief. So action, which is otherwise known as like Stoic philanthropy, um, a lot of this stuff is derived from – or most of it is derived from ethics. The, the virtue there is justice that they focus on and um something that you know uh, Marcus Aurelius mentioned in the meditations he said men exist for the sake of one another teach them or bear uh bear with them so meaning that you know we have to as one another need to actually help and take care of our fellow man and uh, fellow woman and try to find a way within our means to um help them flourish right so the last and final thing is ascent, and this is basically Stoic mindfulness. This is derived from logic, and the virtue here is practical wisdom, um, and basically bring the mind to bear upon your problems. That's something Seneca said, and it, it really means that you know you have to be mindful towards what what is actually you know, happening in your life, if, if there, if your life is out of order, out of whack, or there there seems to be a a certain amount of chaos in it, um, not knowing where that originates from is, is not a good place to be because you can't start to make the changes that you need to make, especially if you're trying to make, you know, changes that are for the better or whatever. Um, so, you know, um, something that, uh, this is a thing that they talk about, the Stoics, and they they, they have a this image. It's a concentric circles and it starts with the self. That's the deepest circle and then it says mind and body and then the next circle, it shows family. The next circle after that is fellow citizen. The next circle after that is countrymen. His uh, countrymen in the next circle after that is the world as a whole. And Epictetus mentioned, you know, do as Socrates did. Never reply to any question of where he was from with I'm Athenian or I'm Corinthian, but always with I'm a citizen of the world. And, you know, this is a fundamental point of view that the Stoics have and have, have always have had. And as you can see um, within that statement right there, it's almost a repudiation of nationalism. It's almost a repudiation of um, – this uh this love and uh this desire to worship the state or worship the government or worship um the things that uh some people like to focus on versus you know focusing on the values and things like that um so how does you know how does this all come together how does you know the physics ethics and logic of the stoics Mixed with the virtues and, and disciplines. So basically, like I mentioned, you know, through physics, you get courage and temperance and that leads on to desires. And then, again, this is – when I say these things, I'm referring to what I mentioned earlier in the stoic, you know, lexicon. Um, through ethics, you get – you know, through – ethics is, the, you know, the topi, and then the virtue through there is justice and then the discipline is action, you know, which is basically stoic philanthropy. Um, through logic, you you have, you know, classical wisdom, wisdom. And then from there, you can assent and actually figure out the things that you need to figure out in your life. But like I said, you know, there's many misconceptions about stoicism. Uh, the stoics did not, you know, seek to suppress emotions, you know, instead they sought to transform them, you know, applying our own judgment to our to our national, to our natural emotional responses to give or withdraw assent, you know, all from the goal of achieving, you know, an inner peace, an inner calm. So it's not about getting rid of your emotions it's about transcending them it's about transforming them you know and applying you know using reason and applying your judgment to the natural you know emotional response and, and trying to keep you know keep keep calm you know and the stoics distinguish between uh instinctive reaction and feelings resulting from judgment and that's a very important thing you know the goal was to achieve apatheia which uh, it sounds a lot like apathy, but it isn't. Uh, basically, apatheia is an ancient Greek term, meaning the overcoming of negative passion, in turn leading to atraxia, which is the tranquility resulting from approaching life with equanimity, meaning approaching life with... Um, your emotions in check. And I mean, so, for instance, for my, my, uh, listeners out there that are comic book fans, think about, you know, the emotional spectrum for the green lanterns. <laughs> think about, you know, red's rage, uh, avarice is orange, fear is yellow, willpower is green, blue is hope, uh, uh indigo is compassion, and love is, uh, violet, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe I have that mixed the other way, but probably mixed the other way. Um, yeah. It's definitely mixed out of the way. But what I'm trying to say is, is that, um, so think about that emotional spectrum and think about having everything in check and in the way you would like them to, to be. You know, so you have the adequate amount of hope, uh, you have the adequate amount of compassion, of love, you have the adequate amount of, um, willpower. Um, You have the you have to have the adequate amount of fear when when it's necessary. I mean, there are certain times in your life where you have to be fearful, and if you're not, something's wrong with you. And you know, there's certain moments in your life where you you do become rageful and you do uh, get angry, and sometimes it's for, for you know righteous reasons and right reasons, and sometimes it isn't. But I think it's important to use stoicism as a tool to help with you know emotional instability. Um, for me, that's what it it helped me do primarily. Um, Stoicism for me was a operating system. So I I I believe philosophies in general are an operating system, like religions in a lot of way. Um, you have an operating system for your life. This is, um, you know, the bare bones of it, and this kind of you know, the OS itself, the philosophy in your head, the philosophy in your mind kind of dictates how everything else is going to work and how everything else is going to, you know, function, how you're going to act and how you're going to function. Um, So I think it's important to understand that, you know, philosophy isn't – you know, philosophy in general but, you know, Stoicism or any type of philosophy out there isn't just some esoteric, you know, beyond the pale um, type of, you know, uh, intellectual – game that a lot of people play or like to, you know, be involved in philosophy ha- has to be and should be um, effective in the sense that it can be applied to your life. It can be applied to what you're doing and how you act and it can act – there's actually – you can actually see results from it. So that's something that's very important. So how do, how do people, you know, practice stoicism in the sense? You know, how does that tend to work out? So I think, you know, uh, something that a lot of people like to mention, uh, but they don't really, you know, do. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm at fault for not following as much as I, do, uh, not doing this as much as I should. And it's the second, you know, part of my show, meditation, morning meditation. So I think you know, there's a lot to say about clearing your head in the morning. I mean, especially in the morning, primarily because, um, at least with me, when I meditate in the morning, twenty minutes. I'm not talking about anything crazy. At most, twenty minutes. You can even do ten minutes. Uh, obviously never lie down because you're just going to fall back asleep. But find a place, sit down and try to clear your head of anything that might be, you know, first remove all of the barriers to entry, meaning uh, get the distractions out of your head. But I think it's important to meditate on your life, meditate on the experience, meditate on how you're going to focus on trying to have a good day, and then go do it. Um, the idea of the view from above, you know, um, some people like to call this, you know, the eagle eye point, you know, the point of view, uh, the isometric point of view in the sense that you are living your life and you're experiencing everything, but every once in a while you need to kind of step out and be an observer and kind of look at what you did and how what you said and kind of, you know, look at it from a, you know, uh bird's eye view and see like, oh wow, I did that there. Well, why did I do that there? And then from there you can kind of, you know, mitigate and kind of, um, Fix some of the errors in your decision making and in your actions. Um, there is a uh, another one called uh, this is another great thing called the premeditation of evils, premeditatio uh, malorum in uh, Latin. It's a Stoic exercise of imagining things that could go wrong or you know uh, be taken away from us. So I think this is a important thing and uh, and another important thing to mention about doing this type of uh, you know, mind exercise is it can lead to anxiety if you don't do it correctly. So please, when I do t- when I do mention this and I do talk about this, understand that um the idea of this is to prepare for life's in- inevitable setbacks, and we don't always get what what's rightfully ours in life, even if we earned it a lot of times. Um, and not everything is as you know straightforward and as uh, pure as we might think they may be. You know, so psychologically, we must prepare. Um, ourselves for this for this for these types of things to happen. So um, another way of of um, you know practicing stoicism, you know these these are quote unquote spiritual exercises. You know again, it doesn't have anything to do with religion, anything like that this is just a philosophy. But you know you're bringing in your mind, your body, and your your um your willpower in all of this, and I think that's what you know. That's something that we need to take into effect. So the next thing is mindfulness. You know, being mindful about your moral choices, um, understanding that you know your choices do have consequences, and that these consequences not only affect you know the person that you might be dealing with uh, or yourself, but they could uh, alternatively affect other people. So the way you you choose to live your life primarily through your moral choices is a representation of how good or how bad your life will be, I I would say. Um, So the thing is like if you are doing completely abhorrent things to a lot of people, I don't think you could live a good life. I don't think you could have a a meaningful life, let alone a, a happy and a good existence. Um, but if you do do mistakes like everybody does and if you do do good things like everybody does and if you're mindful about those things and you actually focus on what you did and then say, what did I do right? OK, well, I have to do that again and then taking that and then focusing on what you did bad and then saying, well, what? how can I avoid this in the future? How can I re- you know, reduce the risk of this happening again? Um, and I would also say um, the last thing I've done – I like to meditate in the evening. Uh, usually maybe an hour or two before bed, and I do like to keep a, a diary of some of these thoughts and some of these things. And I do have one from the past that I've read and uh, I've looked at. Um, but you know, something something that is essential and I think is beautiful, and one of the first things you read in Marcus's really release, Marcus releases Meditations. Uh, is this beautiful quote and basically it says, uh, say to yourself in the early morning, I shall meet today ungrateful, violent, treacherous, envious, uncharitable people. All of these things have come upon them through ignorance or real good and ill. I can neither be harmed by any of them for no man will in, uh, involve me in wrong nor I can be angry with my kinsman or hate him for we have come into the world to work together. So this is a great thing, you know. This is this is something you could post on your, you know, uh, on your phone or on your desktop or with a post-it note in your mirror, and have this phrase in the morning and look into it. And you know, this is a great thing um, to to meditate and to read because uh, honestly, <laughs> the statement held true a few thousand years ago, and it still holds true today. We all meet great people uh, a lot of the time but a lot of the time throughout the day we, we do meet you know terrible ungrateful um uncharitable people and you know uh having the expectation that we're going to go out there and not encounter that might might lead to you know disappointment and to anger so a lot of what the stoics try to do is mitigate that disappointment and mitigate and you know just to reduce the anger and to kind of uh find a place where people can, you know, be realistic with themselves but not overly negative to the point where they are just, you know, have this jaded view of of the world. So, you know, stoicism is great and everything but can – is there any evidence to show that this has actually been uh, valuable? Has this actually improved people's lives? Well, stoicism ironically is uh, a direct – ancestor to a few different things uh, in uh, psychology. So uh, Albert Ennis, he's a, a rationally emotive behavioral therapist. He created cognitive behavioral therapy, which I've mentioned on the show before. And um, the Stoics also heavily influenced Viktor Frankl, uh, who wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning and, his, uh, and ultimately influenced his ability to create his uh, psychological system called logotherapy. So you can see that that this isn't just something that you read and you take and you're like, OK, that was cool. That's interesting. Or you know, you read some, – some people read philosophy or have this idea that if you read philosophy. It's this really weird out there stuff. I mean a lot of modern philosophy can kind of be that way, very esoteric and very outside the realm of understanding for most people including <laughs> myself. But, you know, the good thing about reading, you know, ancient philosophy in a lot of ways and even a lot of modern philosophy is that they put things in ways that you could easily understand and there isn't – you don't have to be a philosophy background or anything like that to, to get any of this stuff. You know, but some of the things I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, some of the questions, you know, what does it mean to be mindful? What's it in my power to do? What's the meaning of life? How should I deal with emotions? How should I relate to others? How should I prepare for adversity? Uh, what's my place in the world, in the universe? So I, let me go ahead and answer some of these questions that I mentioned. I would be answering, you know, kind of to bring this full circle and, and kind of uh, you know uh, complete uh, a portion of the of the talk today. So you know, what's the meaning of life? You know, I think it's the meaning. The Stoics would say the meaning of life is to live by practicing virtues for the betterment of humanity and to live with integrity. Um the stoics would say uh you know the question would be what's in my power to do um and basically it would be to give or withdraw assent from impressions um what does it mean to be mindful uh there it means to, to to live moment by moment and to focus on living ethically um you know how should we deal with emotions primarily you know how um basically i think they would say you know control the destructive emotions and develop the positive ones. You know, and this completely is a, a, anathema to people's view of, of Stoics as people who just have no emotion, people who are just stern. You know, he had this Stoic look on his face. It's like, no, that's not what Stoicism is. And a lot of mis, you know, miscon, uh, misconceptions and mischaracterizations of some of these arguments throughout time have, have made people misattribute, um, you know, complete apathy and complete. Um, be Almost complete sociopathy to Stoics in a lot of ways. Um, so how should I relate to others? Uh, this is a really important thing. So I think by treating them as part of your family circle. This is something the Stoics heavily mentioned that you know every every human being in the world is an extended part of your family in a way. Um, so the other question, how should how should we prepare for adversity? Um, but i think this is a fantastic way of looking at it but but it's by reminding ourselves of the dichotomy of control you know and uh, the and that externalities are not important in the sense that things that are in my control things that i have you know an ability to change yes that's what i should be focusing on but the externalities that are not necessarily in my control aren't even partially in my control not at all in my control there's no reason to worry about them insofar as me me trying to change something because they can't be changed um so an example of of that is like you can do things in your life to help people out but if you know if everything else at the end of the day you know you can't do everything there's externalities that are not in your control um so again the last question here is what's my place in the universe you know um and again like they would say you're made of matter like everything else you're subject to the same laws of matter, laws of the universe. So again, there's a lot of great, beautiful books out there um, that I recommend. Uh, releases, Marcus releases Meditations. Um, Gregory Hayes' translation is probably the best translation of, in my opinion. and um, Enchiridion, um, which is otherwise known as the handbook. Um, Letters of a Stoic from Seneca. Um, that 's a great one, and on the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Um, the older stoics uh, they 're good to read as well, but I think reading some of the more popular ones uh, would be very beneficial for everybody. but you know something I mentioned earlier um, was the influence the Stoics have had on the, on the world, and uh, primarily in you know in different traditions. So I mentioned that you know Epictetus, he, his handbook was used by monks, uh, Catholic monks, uh, in the Middle Ages and uh, a little bit in the Dark Ages. So what do they what do they actually use there? So when Epictetus right wrote the handbook, he would say Socrates said, and then would we have a precept and have actually actually have a statement that talks about you know some moral or ethical issue. Um, so what a lot of those monks actually end up doing was removing the name Socrates and just crossing it out and putting Jesus so you could see throughout history and throughout time how different things and how different people were influenced by a lot of these uh ideas um, same thing you know with uh with Aquinas Aquinas was heavily influenced by Aristotle um but also with the, with the Stoics as well and primarily with uh the idea of uh you know Understanding your place in the universe and understanding your uh, your call in the world, right? Um, but many people here have probably heard the serenity prayer. And the serenity prayer is actually based on a, an ancient Stoic prayer um, and basic. So the serenity prayer, and I, I said this growing up, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference, now, everything that I mentioned there, in that statement through that prayer, is pretty much the Stoic precepts, and pretty much related to uh, Stoicism. You know, understanding what's in your control, you know, and accept the things that I cannot change. You know, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, you could see that throughout history and throughout time, this is this has heavily been influenced. And that's that's the beauty of of the world. Is yes, there has uh, you know the the prayer and in spe- specifically introduced you know by stoicism that Christianity has long been influenced by stoicism. You know since the golden age of Rome, you know the rule of uh, Marcus Aurelius and all these other people. But you know ironically, a lot of people loved back then. You know a lot of the early Christians back then loved uh, the meditations. And uh, the Holy Roman Empire at the time not only spread Christianity, but they also did spread, you know, stoicism and other popular philosophies. And uh, the idea and the fact that Roman stoicism was uh, starting to gain traction in the 17th century, especially in, you know, in England and and uh, and other parts of uh, Europe was very, very strange because, you know, for a long time a lot of antiquities, you know, thoughts and a lot of antiquities opinions disappeared and um things changed but you know somehow some way these things have moved throughout time and have continued to live on today and to to me talking to you right now about it so what can we take from you know the stoics what can we take from their um some of their ideas and some of the things they thought uh i think it's i think it's important to to understand that you know stoicism is a practical philosophy you know um because most people are not very interested in stoic physics or logic essentially it's mostly in the ethics and again stoic physics and logic are very fascinating and they're they're, they're pretty cool but you know uh most people want to learn stoicism and understand stoicism primarily because of the ethics. And what's more immediately linked is to that, to understanding the ethics, is the idea that here is a practical philosophy. Um, so yeah, you're not you're not going to end up being Spock at the end of reading some of these books, like some people would like to say. Uh, you're not going to end up being this emotionless, you know, automaton. No. Um, you know, emotions are, you know, instinctive human reactions to certain situations and they cannot be avoided, but the reflective mind can, you know, distance itself from a raw emotion and, and contemplate whether the emotion in question should or should not be given, you know, uh, should not be appropriated and cultivated, mind mind you. Um, so I think the Stoics distinguish between the, the instinctive reaction and the feelings from mutual correct judgment, in a very good way, and I think that's an important thing to understand specifically if you're trying to gain some knowledge in in uh, in ethics, particularly how to live how to live your life um, so ultimately there is there's so much to be said about stoicism and there's so much more I could say um, but I kind of want to go into what what this has influenced over the time. Um, so I did mention, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and logotherapy. Now, um, logotherapy is actually quite interesting and it's quite different. And you know, the the origins of logotherapy. Um, you know, Viktor Frankl was born in Vienna in 1905. He was a neurologist and a psychiatrist, and was working on a framework of an existential therapy. Um, you know, during World War II, Frankl spent about three years in various Nazi concentration camps. An experience that was, you know, heavily, greatly influenced his work and development of logotherapy. You know, Frankl observed that those who were able to survive the experience typically found some meaning in it, such as the task they needed to fulfill. Um, so, for Frankl's personally, his desire to rewrite a manuscript that had been given, uh, that had been confiscated upon arrival at Auschwitz, was a motivating factor. After the camps were liberated, Frankl resumed his work as a neurologist and, psych- and uh, psychiatrist. In 46, he, he published his uh, fantastic book Man's Search for Meeting, outlining his experiences in the concentration camps as well as the basic tenets and techniques of logotherapy. So, what are the three main, com- you know, what are the main components of, you know, Viktor Frankl's philosophy uh, and h- the thing that, you know, encompasses logotherapy? What is it? So, the first Uh, component is each person has a healthy core, right? Each person has a healthy core. The second thing is the primary focus is to enlighten a person to their own internal resources and provide them with the tools to use their inner core, okay? Number three, life offers you purpose and meaning. It doesn't owe you a sense of fulfillment or happiness. So just from those three right there, you can see how you can see how a lot of the stuff that i mentioned in the stoicism can has brought in here today i ideally the, the third one right the idea that you know life offers you purpose and meaning it doesn't owe you a sense of fulfillment or, or happiness necessarily and i think understanding that is is essential so how can you how can we find meaning through through logotherapy and and through extension stoicism you know logotherapy is based on the premise that humans are are driven to find a sense of meaning and purpose in life, you know, according to uh, to Frankel, life's meaning can be discovered in three different ways: um, by creating a work or accomplishing some tasks, right um, by experiencing something fully or loving somebody fully um, and also third, by the attitude that one adopts towards unavoidable suffering. And I think you know to 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 talk about the last one right there. Number three, by the attitude – so this is again, how can you find he, – he, this is one of the top three ways, according to Frankl, that you can find meaning in life. And the last one is by the attitude that one adopts towards unavoidable suffering. Now, Frankl believed that suffering is a part of life and that humans' ultimate freedom is in their ability to choose how to respond to any set given circumstances in their lives, especially the most painful ones. So people can find meaning in their lives by identifying the unique roles that one can fulfill. For example, uh, when when a person consulted Frankel uh, for severe depression following the death of his wife, Frankel asked him to consider what would have happened if he had died first. And then his wife would have been uh, forced to mourn his death. The man was able to recognize that his own suffering spared his wife from having that experience, which served as a curative factor and helped relieve his depression. Um, So some of the logotherapies, uh, techniques, the three main techniques uh, that logotherapy, you know, has. So the first thing is uh, dereflection. Dereflection is a word used when a person is overly absorbed on an issue or attainment of a goal. By redirecting the attention or dereflecting the uh, the attention away from the self, the person can become more, I guess they can become whole by thinking about others rather than themselves. You know, the second thing, a uh, second main technique is a paradoxical intention. So with paradoxical paradoxical intention, it involves asking for the things we fear most. Um, For people who experience anxiety and phobias, fear can paralyze them. This is very well known. Um, But using humor and and ridicule, they can wish uh, for the thing they fear uh, the most, thus removing the fear from their intention and relieving the anxious symptoms associated with it. And the final thing that uh, Viktor Frankl talked about, one of the techniques is uh, – we, we talked about this in the show prior – is Socratic dialogue, Socratic questioning. And Socratic dialogue is a technique in which a logotherapist uses the own person's words as a method of self-discovery. By listening intently to what a person says, the therapist can point out specific patterns of words or uh, word solutions to the client and let the client see new meaning in them you know the process allows a person to realize that the answer lies within and is just waiting to be discovered so that that point right there that the process of a person getting better through through therapy primarily lies within the person trying to solve their problems and is just waiting to be discovered so as you can as you can hear with that 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 type of statement there it's it's it, logotherapy offers offers i think the patient the ability to find that and discover that you know uh the answer to their problems the answer to their lives the answer to their to their their cause of anxiety or depression and i think there is something to say about you know the ability for us to be honest with ourselves because you know something that stoicism has done for me over time But, you know, also reading Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning and also understanding some of the things that he talked about. um, Being honest with yourself is the most important value you can have. Essentially, if you're trying to live, to live. And when I say that, I I mean that generally. Um, If you want to live life and if you want to succeed – and, you know, be prosperous and, and and take care of yourself and take care of your loved ones. A big part of that has to come and, and stem from the place, uh, place of I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm not going to tell myself falsehoods or lies. I'm not going to continuously, you know, excuse my actions. I'm not going to continuously excuse my behavior. I'm going to look at my behavior, take it for what it is, try to understand it and then parse it out. And I think a lot of people have issues. I mean, I've had issues with being honest with myself. And once you can be honest with yourself, a lot of doors open, right? Um, a lot of doors open, primarily doors that will lead you to answers, will lead you to finding and discovering that part of yourself that you've been looking for. So as, as a person that, that views a lot of this stuff seriously and under, and tries to understand that, um the stuff has effect on people's lives. This stuff is important. And that's why, you know, people like Frankel, who was influenced by Stoics, you know, and influenced by his experience in the concentration camps, came up with such an ingenious and uh, amazing type of therapy. And the reason it's called logotherapy, it's a term derived from, you know, the Greek word logos, which translates for meaning. And, you know, therapy which is uh defined as treatment of a condition, you know. So there's so much things here that you know. There's so much information that can be taken and absorbed. Um, But I think the most most important thing that we can take away from the Stoics and take away from Frankel and uh, take away from you know cognitive behavioral therapy is that not only has the philosophy been around for thousands of years, but the scientific you know and psychological. methods that have been you know designed by incorporating a lot of these principles that the stoics created these things are helping people today they've helped people in the past they're actually helping people with their depression they're actually helping people change their lives so i think it's important you know not not only to to get to, you know to go to therapy if you have issues and have problems which i always recommend and i think it's essential Especially for people who are not into trying to solve pro- their problems and trying to avoid them, I think that's essential to go there and get, you know get some help. But I think for people out there who who are struggling and have uh, a particular amount of you know um, confusion towards life and just their everyday existence, I think it's a good idea. You know, if you can't go to therapy, pick up a book. Primarily, pick up books that are foundational. Pick up books that are. Going to shift your, your the way you think. Pick up books that are going to mold your mold your mind into something that is mold your mind into something that's that's greater than it already is right now. And I would say that Stoicism and the precepts in Stoicism and the understandings that a lot of the writers brought are pretty much you can't you can't find any any ancient philosophy out there. That has uh, a better connection to the world and, and to ourselves. And again, the closest thing that that, that Stoicism is today uh, it relates to is uh, Buddhism and the secular humanism. So if if you can have a philosophy that kind of underpins you know, secular humanism, then maybe we could start spreading the values of secular humanism throughout the world, and the values of you know freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom f- freedom from religion. All these things that, you know, we in the West have developed over time just didn't happen by accident. Like I said, these things have influenced people, all types of people, philosophers, scientists, politicians, people who created countries, emperors. Um, These ideas are not – these people who, who read these ideas, right? It wasn't an accident they were reading these things. It wasn't an accident they were writing these things. Not at all. These documents, these foundational things are a way for us to increase our knowledge and to increase our ability to change the world for the better. So I would make the argument that, number one, um, philosophy is necessary and it's important to have a philosophy of life and it's important that it's practical, practical and can be applied to an everyday situation. And my other argument would be that you know, stoicism, even though I disagree with some things here and there. And I, I didn't want to focus any of my time today talking about my disagreements because I don't think that's where the value is in talking about this today. I think the value in talking about stoicism is, re, you know, is bringing the word up, letting people know that this is something that they should, you know, investigate their time in, but also, you know, a realization that we can find truth, we can find knowledge, and we can find all these things, and it's primarily focused. Through the lens of a, of a philosophy, so yeah that's that's kind of what I had to say about stoicism today and what I think about uh that and I just want to say, you know there's many times in in life that we lose our way and we 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 have moments where our emotions completely are out of control and we're not able to adequately talk to another person without getting angry or getting you know, loud or raising your voice realizing that these things do bother us you know when when, when i when i get angry and i, I lose my lose my shit and I, I get angry at somebody you know obviously in that moment i i've 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 lost my my foundational principles because and the thing is like these these things are going to happen but the principle of you know trying to hear people out the principle of trying to understand people a lot of what this show is you know i think having that mindset of trying to hear people out trying to understand people's point of view trying to share people's point of view with one another and you know maybe maybe learning from the other person i think these things can only be done if you have a clear understanding i mean i would say i would make this argument if you have a clear understanding of you know uh the philosophy that underpins all of this because, yeah, I can, I can talk to somebody I disagree with and we can go back and forth. But if we're not having, you know, a conversation that is, you know, based in reality, right, then we can't go forward. If the conversation is not in good faith, then we can't go forward. Um, but I, I think, you know, to a lot of these situations in our lives and a lot of what goes on, we need to focus on what we can control. And the main thing is our reaction to everything. That's really the only thing we we have full control over in our lives. A hundred percent is our reaction to external stimuli. So, take this as you know a a recommendation. Take this as a um as a uh, cosine <laughs> in a sense for a lot of these values because. If it wasn't for me reading Stoicism and reading the Stoics and understanding some of the things they said, I wouldn't be as lucid as I am. I wouldn't be as uh, calm as I am. I wouldn't be able to deal with my problems as efficiently as I do today. Um, I would be way more emotional in the sense that I would allow my negative emotions to kind of overtake my personality and run my personality and run my life. And that's another thing is your negative personality personality traits – Your negative emotions will ultimately run your life. They will ultimately rule your life if you do not put them at bay and look at at what they are and try to make the necessary adjustments in your life. Um, And these adjustments are not going to be easy. These adjustments are part of being a human. That's part of the human condition. It's part of the human experience. But ultimately, that experience is worth it because we can change. We can, you know... Hope for a better day. We can use our willpower to, uh, to do better things and to achieve greater feats. We can treat one another with kindness. We, all of these things are possible, but I don't think it's possible if we're not coming at this from an honest perspective. Um, and, you know, that's why I spent, you know, today's show talking to you about philosophy, uh, talk to you about stoicism because this is, this these are, these are Philosophy is an OS for for living life. Think about that, and it's it's not as complicated as most people like to think or put. But if you have an OS for life, if you have an operating system to how to act, what are your ethics going to be? How are you going to treat people? How are you going to relate to people? What's in your position? Uh, what can you I mean? What's in your position to do something in life? You know all these questions that I, I answered earlier from a Stoic perspective. These things are part and parcel of the human experience. But it's our job to answer these questions in our lives and it's our job to help one another. So again, I want to thank you guys all for listening today and and, uh, hearing me out and hearing some of the things I had to say about stoicism and logotherapy and its connection. Um, I also want to thank you guys for checking out the website and checking out some of the blog posts out there. Uh, getting getting done to doing a few more blog posts. Uh, my friend and I—he uh, was actually on episode eight, I believe—we're be, we're gonna be writing a uh, blog post on criminal justice reform. Uh, basically the criminal injustice system in a lot of ways, and talking about um you know the problems there and and some of the solutions we see. Um, and we'll also be having um. Just want to announce, hopefully early next year. I want to say. February, um, early February, uh, well, late late January. I'm going to be going to a talk with uh, Sam Harris and Eric Wein- uh, Weinstein, and they're going to be having a talk in the Fillmore in Detroit. So I'm going to be going to there, and then hopefully the weekend after I can come and give you a review of what they talked about and uh, some of the contentions that I have and some of the disagreements. So keep eye- keep an eye out for that show, but primarily, again, I want to thank you guys and take this stuff to heart. Read this stuff. Go in there, just type in stoicism, go to uh, dailystoic.com. There's a lot of great resources out there on the internet that will, you know, take this stuff and put it into your perspective and put it in front of you and that you could just view it at your own time. So yeah, I'm not saying go ahead and read all these books and go crazy and all this stuff, but you know, give yourself, you know, some some uh, some knowledge that can help you go forward in life, help help you achieve better things. And I, I do believe that, you know, using the values in Stoicism that I talked about today will lead to a better life and to more human flourishing. Thank you again, and uh, hope you have all have a great day. Take care. Ooh, look at that